governor, this policy could be seen. I could see very easily how it excludes parents. What it look. Here's a question for you. The American Academy of Pediatrics says these kinds of laws about bathrooms and excluding people, uh, ignoring their gender identity. They say the American Academy of Pediatrics says these kind of laws can increase the risk of depression, anxiety, and even suicide among transgender youth. Did you talk to any, any transgender youth when coming up with this policy? Yes. So we, we've had we've had lots of interactions across the across with transgender the, youth across the, the the administration. And let me just back up. What we're not saying is that there is no accommodation. What we're saying is parents have to be engaged in that decision. And if a child and their parent, along with uh, administrators and teachers, choose to have accommodations for that child, they'll be granted. And see, this is where I constantly get back to I would ask people to read the policies. And to, I did read the policy, well, but it sounds like you're excluding parents that might be supportive of their child uh, going to the bathroom or going or joining a sports team that is uh, in alignment with their gender identity? Well, certainly not. If parents actually want their child to be able to change a pronoun or their name or use a bathroom, if parents choose that, then legally that's what the schools will do. With regards to sports teams, this is a different issue. And, And I do believe that it's unfair for girls to have biological boys play sports with biological girls. Okay, so a short but... I think very effective clip um, of what I find the Democrats to um, really be missing. And, you know, I, I think that there's just too many people on the left that want to simplify the discussion of transgender youth and their participation in sports or going to the bathroom that they um, would prefer. I think that Every time you hear people talk about it, and normally it is white men, as you just saw there, uh, normally it's white guys, and they really don't have a lot of skin in the game. You know, it's not their restrooms that we're talking about. It's not their sports teams that we're talking about. I need talking points and ambition to use, feller. I've already talked about this so many times. Like, my position, first and foremost, is like, I don't care. And my secondary position is like, I think you don't care either. You're just like trying to make an argument. You're just trying to debate about it. And my third and final position ultimately is that it straight up does not matter absolutely does not matter in the grand scheme of things even if uh, trans women were completely dominating certain fields of sport the only reason why you would consider that to be completely inappropriate and and unnatural is if you think trans women are unnatural and that's it and that is tech that is where transphobia comes from as for the rapid rise in kids identifying as trans. As the writer Julia Serrano has pointed out, when you look at a chart of left-handedness among Americans over the 20th century, you see a massive spike when we stopped forcing kids to write with their right hand and then a plateau. That doesn't mean everyone became left-handed or that there was a rapid onset Southpaw dysphoria. (laughs) It means people were free to be who they fucking were. And to the extent that some young people are just exploring their gender identity, how exactly is that a bad thing? Who the fuck are they hurting? Merrickly, like, 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 sure. self, like, female and sex you are, and yeah. throw you in with like, the perfect female, the perfect female sex range. I agree. Okay, That's why it, it should just be it. male and female. You, you can't let's do it, just a it. hormone profile. So you, we got all the way back to the Olympic definition, which is what I said initially, that you were really excited. Gender, and now completely. you're just saying it's a hormone profile. Okay. No, so, so, gender it completely. So, so, completely. Well, no. Who gives a fuck if women can't compete at the top level? <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's essentially oh, the no, argument. No, who watches no, women's sports? I think for the most part, when it comes to... When it comes to what like women are or are considered, I feel like 
women are people who are considered women, people who are treated as women. Because when women talk, and I admit, you know, I'm just a guy or whatever, but when women talk, you know, I feel like their experiences, insofar as they relate to womanhood and their conversations in the purview of those experiences, relate mostly to how they're treated as women and less so like the specific biology that they go through. At the very least, from what I've experienced and seen, like I don't think that women usually get together and just have like big convos about their period. Uh, pattern which brings who the fuck is this the authentic do i know this person who is this me to one of the other things that happened that i did also want to discuss in the video because i think it illustrates my point fairly well i'm really putting my foot in it now but i can't seem to help it the whole Vorsch jk rowling fiasco so perfectly demonstrates what i'm talking about Vorsch, sweetheart what's the matter okay if anyone hold on real quickly if anyone makes an expression like this at the camera at any point it's legally okay to be sexist towards them i'll be taking this um information to heart as i move forward with this video gonna condescend to me that's okay i'm going to evoke several millennia of oppression against you that's fair darling i'm very concerned this is troubling behavior Vosh, vouch i don't care shut up bitch stupid fucking bitch <laughs> Dude, I fucking, I want to sometimes put uh, Radfems into into a work camp. I, I, I really do. If you're like a Radfem, you should work. It, you should Is that go, a radical feminist? You, don't you like should that? You should go to a woman's prison. Like, you should be in a woman's prison where they treat you like uh, they would in a men's prison. Just for thought crimes. Okay? Like, straight up. I mean, that's that's 100 percent my take As Kim and Robbie say, oh, well, you can't even say women these days. You know, you can't even say the word women because these crazy lefties have, you know, hijacked the discourse or whatever. Bull fucking shit. Bull fucking shit. As Olayemi said, and I will you know, share my experiences as well, too, as someone who's on the left, who exists in a lot of left spaces. You know, I'm a recent college graduate. I was, you know, not uh, even a year or two ago uh, getting my degree at college, had a lot of woke peers, had a lot of woke professors. Not a single goddamn time did I ever hear someone use the term birthing person or person that menstruates instead of the word woman. And not once did I hear anyone pushed back upon for using the word women, uh, including from, again, even the wokest peers and the wokest professors that I had at college and also on Twitter, online, anywhere else that I've ever existed as a lefty. I have never once seen someone called out for using the word women. And this is not an actual problem facing the fucking society. This is not an actual issue. You're just fear mongering about it and pretending that it is in order to serve your own fucking agenda. A hundred percent. And look, how many protests did we see? Well, one, I, I would say, do you, do you want to know another reason why nobody on the left has a problem with the fucking term women, woman? Uh, yeah, we, we just, if you, you, you say you're a woman, I, 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 I accept that. And, and guess what? We will call you a woman and you are a woman. Great. Let's move on. Like what the fuck? Very supportive of trans ideology, have no particular skin in this game. Mm -hmm. They've just decided that this is the latest virtue signal, it's the latest way to be a good person. Mm -hmm. They might be very attached to the idea of themselves as somebody who, back in the day, would have been, you know, part of the civil rights movement, would have been for fighting for women's suffrage, would have, you know, been really campaigning for gay marriage, but those things are done. Mm -hmm. You want something to do, so you become quite attached to this. And then anyone who says to you, but look, you know, if you allow men to be women over here, you're going to in women's jails over there. Mm -hmm. You're going to ruin women's sport. Mm -hmm. You get very angry yeah. and you must silence people. And the reason um, 
why I thought this was important to talk about is because when we've got somebody like Glenn Youngkin in this clip and we live in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin is the governor and we saw his very effective ad campaign. Um, we saw how effective he was in winning over parents, uh, especially when the yeah. debate about CRT was getting very heated here in Virginia. And so I just think it's really a, um, it would, I think it's really dumb of people on the left and Democrats, especially uh, to be ignoring parents' concerns in this way when we see how activated people get about their children. Have a trans, if, if the school district has a trans uh, student playing on a team, should there be a separate locker room for them or what? First of all, um, yes. I mean, if the girls are uncomfortable, and I don't blame it. If I had a daughter, I would want my my daughter would be uncomfortable there. So the trans person can obviously use a different area of the locker room, and then everybody's happy. But look, at this is what we have to do. Um, we have to realize to the leftists and the, and the workers out there that there's an election coming up in just like, what do we have, 30 days? And I think they've totally miscalculated politically yet again. Um, coming up on the ballot here in just 30 days, this is a parental rights issue. It is on the ballot. The mama bears and the papa bears out there, they are awake because of COVID. They're seeing what's happening. <laughs> and they're more invigorated than they've ever been before to vote these people out. I mean, you take Vermont, which is a socialist state. Let's be honest. They keep voting in Bernie Sanders um, to ban the 10 girls who were only talking about and complaining about this biological boy in their locker room and to ban them, everything is out of whack. Jenner really seems to be pushing for a, a separate but equal approach. Anyway, so the mother of the trans student involved shared her side of the story, explaining really that her daughter is being harassed and bullied by fellow students. And the incident really seemed to start in late September when her daughter was changing in the girls' locker room before volleyball practice, when three teammates started yelling at her to get out and to stop looking at them. The students alleged. Thank you everybody for coming out. My name is Hassan Shami. I'm nothing but a concerned parent in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, guys, we want to make something clear, okay? We want to leave the politics out of this. If you're on Facebook, all you see is fear-mongering political rhetoric that this is book banning, censorship, homophobic. All it is is protecting our children. We, we as concerned parents, we as concerned parents in Dearborn are not tied to the left, to the right when it comes to this issue. And we're not going to be used as pawns for any organization for their own agenda. We're here to protect our children. This bill I'm in support of um, because identities don't play sports, bodies do. And there is a reality that we are all aware of that there is a physiological, physical anatomical difference between male bodies and female bodies. And that difference has long been recognized and it was the basis between, it was the line which we used to determine who could compete in one sport. This bill does not deny anyone the ability to play sports. Sure, well the school district, they retaliated against both Blake 
and Travis for just simply stating their views. And and First Amendment retaliation is 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 a uh, you know prohibited by the Constitution. I mean that's very clear that the government cannot retaliate against individuals simply for sharing their views. I mean the crazy thing about this Tucker is that uh, the you know Blake Blake understands this issue. She doesn't need to be reeducated. Males are males, females are females, and Blake shouldn't be forced to you know change in front of a male or watch a male change. But that's what they're forcing her to do, and they're trying to force their ideology down everybody's throat and then punish anybody that that has a different viewpoint. That's unconstitutional. Well, I thought they cared about girls, too. 14-year-old girls don't have a right to get dressed without a boy watching? I mean, is anyone standing up for girls? I mean, I'm hardly a feminist, but, but what? Where are all the feminist groups? And I think what's interesting in this clip is that Jake Tapper is trying to... Um bring up the point that, of course, yes, parents of trans students want want to and will fight for their, their children um, and for their rights. But something that I think that's really missing from the conversation, and, and Glenn Youngkin hit it here at the end, is what about the concern for little cis girls? There are sports with, with segregated with segregated sexes uh, for those sports, and those sports should be honored that way. And there are sports where they're not segregated, where, in fact, both, both, both sexes get to play at the same time. Again, there's a common sense approach here to this. And I do think we have to respect girls as well here. Our policies were written in order to, in order to respect the dignity of all children, their safety, and their confidentiality. We're in a 30-day comment period, and then we're going to finalize these. And then I expect the school districts to adopt something consistent with them. Let's I mean... I understand that, um, you know, that there are studies uh, and, and he, he mentioned the American, you know, Association of Pediatrics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about society, uh, depression, anxiety, things like that when people are not getting their gender affirmed. Um, but I, I have questions like, have we been doing any long-term studies about the suicidality of little girls? Because I know for certain I had a diary and I definitely wrote in my diary that I wanted myself when I was little because I felt ugly. And that's something right. that I know has not changed um, for little girls. If anything, it's gotten worse because of social media. Um, you know, when I was little, we had magazines and you had to buy them and you had commercials and, you know, things still very, very much felt um, uh, like you know, you grew into having this, you know, okay, eventually one day I'm going to grow out of my awkward phase and, mm -hmm. and, you know, look like a woman or become a woman or whatever it is. But nowadays it feels like you don't even get to have an awkward phase. You don't get to have, you know, um, a time when you just like dress, <laughs> you don't know how to dress or whatever and mm -hmm. make it cool, even though you've got glasses on and it's just like so much pressure and, and, People are like, well, you know, you've got all, all of the tools right there in front of you. You can go on TikTok. You can go on YouTube. You can look up uh -huh. how to be cool. And I think that that kind of pressure, it's just, it, it really bothers me that when we have logical people talking about something as nuanced as this topic, I feel like we're always completely disregarding the other side. And so I would like to know what the statistics are on little girls, um, suicide rates. And, and when you hear data on trans people, it's very much talked about in terms of um, contemplation of suicide. So that doesn't even mean attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something I'd like to point out in the, um, in the data, because, you know, is that something that we're asking little girls about, especially nowadays. I mean, there are so many statistics about, um, 
you know, girls being influenced uh, across the world with TikTok getting uh, developing ticks because of all of these videos and stuff that they're seeing. Um, yeah, that was wild. Tight. The pandemic disrupted nearly every aspect of our routines. And for kids, of course, those disruptions were bound to have lasting effects. As News Channel 5's Claire Kopsky learned, doctors are starting to see some of the aftermath in teenage girls in the form of ticks. There's been an influx, a, a, a huge influx over the past year. An influx three or even fourfold from a year ago in what doctors are now calling functional tick disorder. Flailing movements of their arms, even self-injurious, so they're you know striking themselves. Um, uh, you know, just where there's multiple steps to a sequence, you know, and, and um, with these movements. Or they're saying entire phrases, you know, swearing. While more research needs to be done as to why this is being seen more often, it's a condition Vanderbilt neurologists say could be influenced by social media that involves videos, some of which are about tics and Tourette syndrome. We have been telling our patients when we see individuals who have this diagnosis, uh, you know, to, to really try to limit their exposure, you know, to avoid watching uh, TikTok. I think that it's something that the visual aspect of it seems like it has more of an impact. He says the uptick in new cases in his clinic aligns with the pandemic, a time of great stress that could also be a factor. Uh, the rates on the girls with their, um, you know, just different um, eating disorders and the, the way that that spreads. So I think that for me, I understand that it's very important for the mental state of a trans youth to be affirmed, but I also think that it's fair and it hasn't been brought into the discussion that little cis girls, they have things that happen to their bodies biologically that they cannot control and they might feel uncomfortable sharing a space with someone who may not be going through that um, or doesn't, you know, because they don't have the same parts. The situation started in the girls' locker room. At least one volleyball player was vocal about feeling uncomfortable that a transgender athlete from the team is in the changing area with the other girls. Meanwhile, the trans student's family has said she's actually the one hurting here as the target of bullying and harassment. The school put a pause on the team's use of the space while it investigates. And at the agency, we expect the school district to leverage those tools uh, to do what's best for the community, but also to ensure student rights are protected. Now, for some context here, state guidance for schools does say a transgender student should not be forced to use a locker room or a bathroom that conflicts with their gender identity. <laughs> Blake Allen, what did you do wrong in the eyes of the school and how were you punished? I was in the locker room and the trans student walked in and, and there was, um, the rest of the team was in there and we were, I was really uncomfortable and I left and I told the school and they just shut me down and said there's nothing they could do and I was later suspended because I voiced my opinion that a male shouldn't be in the women's locker room and then when we filed the lawsuit they dropped the suspension. How, how, how old are you? How old were you when this happened? I'm 14, I'm a freshman. And quite frankly, like, I just don't understand how the feelings of certain group of children can be overridden by the feelings of another group of children. And I do think more studies need to be done about this because girls are very accommodating. Hey, do you mind if I talk to you for like two seconds? I sound so serious, like a boss. Do you mind if I talk to you for two seconds? <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, is everything, did I do something wrong? No, oh my gosh. 
Are you jo- are you serious? I, just, I didn't know. You sounded like uh, is that what's up? I was looking at some of the my Tupperwares like in the fridge, and I was like, wait. Oh, did I buy couscous? There's couscous in my Tupperwares. <laughs> and I was like, is that, you know, Alex's? Oh my, I'm using your Tupperwares. Oh, I'm not gonna stop. I love it. I literally love you using my Tupperware. I'm, I'm, I'm literally the dumbest whore alive. Stop it. I'm obsessed with it. I was just checking because I was like, wait, 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 who, it, did I make that? No, dude, I made it and then not thinking, I left it in your Tupperware. And it looks amazing, by the way. Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart. I'm so bad at cooking. I guess like if there is one of mine that I could have for my stuff, amazing. If not, I don't actually give a gonna have all of them back you know why because they're yours i've been a dummy using them and i'm gonna go wash them and then i'm gonna actually move out because <laughs> i'm so embarrassed i care so little about them i'm like why did i talk about this i'm obsessed with you for like talking this through seriously alex seriously i want you to keep them i do not want them back you're gonna have all of them back i literally don't want to see the tupperware back on my shelf again i hate them so much i want you to keep them and i i, I love you love you queen love you sister So, you know, I think many little girls would be like, of course, no problem. I will share. But then when you have something happen to you, like you start your period, some little girls right, yeah. period as soon as the age of nine, if something like that happens and you're bleeding in your jeans or your pants or something, um, you might start feeling a bit differently. And oftentimes what will happen is women are so accommodating that they will take themselves out of the equation. They'll find somewhere that they need to go that's more private, or they'll stop going to school, or they'll find an excuse not to go to school that day. Or I've heard also that like girls will are not are becoming dehydrated because they don't want to drink, because they don't want to have to use the restroom. And I mean, these are serious issues like I mean it's not because people want to be bigots but like it's can it can be very embarrassing the 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 changes the smells the sounds and all these things are coming from your body for the first time and I'm sorry I understand that there's the mental state of yes trans youth to talk about but I think it's fair with what when Youngkin was saying here that maybe it needs to be on a case-by-case basis with the school with the school district with the parents with mm-hmm. All of that because yeah, that was interesting. One thing that I don't hear is, you know, I don't know. I just feel like the behavior of little boys is not ever being talked about. And why aren't we be encouraging them to be more accepting? Why aren't we encouraging them to be more cleanly in um, bathrooms? That's one reason why unisex bathrooms and things like that don't work. Um, why aren't we th- encouraging them to be less violent? Because <clears throat> let's be honest, that's who's that's who. Little yeah. and little and, and trans kids are both scared of. I mean, that's that's what you're scared of, right? So I feel like we're not even talking. We're, we're asking for a lot of accommodation from a, a group of a group that is subjugated, that needs support, that is also going through a lot of weird things. And I mean, I've also heard little boys say that they feel um, very uncomfortable um, using the restroom with the opposite sex. It makes them very uncomfortable as well. because many little boys also face molestation. We can't forget that. Nor can we forget the trans youth who deal with discrimination and also need safety. Lena, if you're comfortable in high school, how did you navigate identity harassment and bullying? How does it feel looking back at that? When it comes to school, it was just kind of an everyday thing. I don't think a lot of my peers really knew what was going on. They thought it was more of an act or something like that. 
There were always the jokes, there were always the slurs, there were always things. I was walking through the hallway and I heard on the intercom someone called my old name, my like, dead name, that had been changed for like two years. I would just sit in my car and have like a panic attack for like hours. Who's the problem gonna be with today? Is it gonna be with a teacher? Is it gonna be with a student? I hope everybody who's watching this, you know, in their experience has it easier. I'm so sorry that you went through that. Um, like, I don't believe any anybody deserves that kind of harassment and bullying. Jay, do you mind sharing a little bit about your experience? Teachers put me in the corner that would box my whole desk off from other students. Parents didn't feel safe for me to be in the same room as their children. I had recess inside. My bathroom breaks weren't with everybody else. They were separate. Most of my schooling was alone, at a desk, boarded off. People saw me being trans as a disease, that I was going to infect the other students. You've had to just endure so much. Sorry that happened. So I just feel like the conversation isn't even happening where we're considering all sides and... Um, you know, and, and maybe that, I think having that conversation could lead to a better solution rather than the way it feels is that only one side's feelings are being taken into consideration. Handled in the film is the, is the normalcy that you present. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how anyone interacting with these kids, either at the court or just in life. I mean, Sonny, for example, is just like, whimsical, <laughs> athletic, you know, long blonde hair, you know, cherubic face, just like the name says it all, just like this like bouncing ray of sunshine. And, you know, the, the notion that there are grown adults making it their mission to stamp out Sonny's joy and potential is, is really mind boggling. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, I can see what you're saying. And it does seem like it's to the detriment of the other side, which would be, you know, little cis girls. So, <clears throat> I mean, Glenn Youngkin is a, he's an enigma to me sometimes too, because um, it's like on the one hand, he's fighting for the rights of little girls, um, you know, to keep their spaces. But then uh, two seconds later in this clip, he's going to talk about abortion <laughs> and how he's pro-life and, you know, I mean... Jake Tapper tries to push him to say that he would do a six week abortion ban and all this stuff. And I mean, you know, maybe if he had his druthers, he might get rid of it altogether. So, I mean, what a, that's what what's so annoying to me about this whole situation is that I feel like both sides are not using any logic and they're not mm -hmm. wanting to compromise about anything. I mean, the, you've got the conservatives on one hand screaming about parental rights, but then they want to right. almost like, you know, jail some parents if they try to affirm their children, which I think is insane. And that's too much. Just like trying to jail parents who don't affirm their kids is also insane and way too far. Yeah, um, definitely. And, but then he's also saying that, you know, oh, well, you know, if a 10 year old gets raped, then that's OK for them to take the child to term because that's, you know, what God No, knows. he said he's <laughs> changed his mind now. Now he says incest and in the, the mother is in danger. So mm, he's really okay. turned a corner. 
Well, there no doctors will say whether or not the mother is in danger because they don't want to get sued. But you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Well, because obviously the Supreme Court decision has kicked this back to the states, back to the Commonwealth of Virginia. You're supporting the 15-week abortion ban uh, in, this, in Virginia after the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. I know you're trying to be pragmatic because you think that that's what uh, the state house, you think you could probably get it through. Uh, but you also have vowed to, quote, take every action I can to protect life, unquote. So if a six-week abortion ban came to your desk, would you sign it? Well, let me back up. So Virginians elected a, a pro-life governor, and I've been very clear. I'm pro-life. I do believe in exceptions in the case of an incest and when the life of the mother is at risk. And in this case, where Virginia was just 22 months ago, was debating on our General Assembly floor that, in fact, abortion should be extended all the way up through and including childbirth and paid for with taxpayer money. And I've said all along that I disagree with this. And that is extreme. That is really extreme. And so when the, when, when the, when the Supreme Court issued their final ruling, uh, we felt that a good place for Virginia to land, which was, which was, a, which was saving lives, because that's what Virginians have said, we would, we would like fewer abortions as opposed to more, is getting our, our leading uh, legislators together and coming up with a compromise bill. Um, as governor, this is progress, and this is a place that I would hope that they can deliver a bill on my desk in January that I can sign that would, in fact, recognize a 15-week limit. There are plenty of other conservatives who also don't, who are pro-life and don't think, you know, that there should be any, you know, any transitioning at all. And mm -hmm. to me, it's just like, none of it makes any sense. Like, like they're, they're all over the place with this, but especially to say like, there's some people who say like, yes, if a 10 year old gets raped, they should carry the child to term. And that's a, that's a life changing, life altering, permanent decision. But then they would say for kids taking hormones, puberty blockers, or getting any kind of surgeries that they shouldn't be allowed to do that because that's a life altering decision. So that is yeah. what yeah. me off. It's like, no, and this is why I hate both of these parties. I mean, they're both absolute monsters and they're playing with people's lives. And I just want people to talk about it in a real way so we can have some real solutions. That's it. I, I right. tried to bring this up on Twitter and this person was like, uh, the little girls, I don't think about the feelings of the little girls because they're bigots. Oh, oh, what? Oh, How can you be? I mean, let me ask you, Riley, when did you decide that you wanted to be a competitive swimmer? So I've been swimming since I was five years old. Um, I got competitive when I was eight years old. So this meant that in second grade, I was swimming two hours every single day. And then at the collegiate level, you're swimming five and a half hours every single day. And, you know, two and a half of those hours are before 8 a.m., so it's a huge time commitment and it's a lifelong sacrifice. And it's not just myself. I know all the girls on my team. We have 40 girls on my team at the University of Kentucky. And so, you know, day in, day out, you have to show up. You have to give it your all. And to be competing with someone who has advantages that are undeniable and blatantly obvious, it's a slap in the face. And it takes us back 50 plus years. Yeah. So did you feel like having done all the work that you had done, did you feel like it was an unfair advantage? Do you feel like you got cheated in the end? I mean, even being in that position, you know, where you are competing against a biological male. Yes, I feel cheated. Um, I talked to so many girls there who feel cheated, you know, just just being there and having to do that and not to mention, you know, sharing a locker room space. There are so many different pieces of it that us as females had our rights completely taken away.
I just feel like you can't just assume that a little girl is a bigot because she just like has a question or maybe, you know, speaks well, up a little bit. I mean, it's too far. I mean, children are not born to be bigots, I guess. So. Well, and for saying that you need your own certain sex space mm-hmm. when we fought so hard for our own sex spaces is not bigotry. I mean, literally we had to fight for those things because we, there was so much violence and all of these things that we were incurring and there was no private space for us to deal with things like our periods or people having miscarriages, right. dealing with their P, you know, PCOS or whatever, all these different things. Like mm-hmm. there was no place for us That's- to do that. Change a baby, breastfeed. I mean, people already don't want this to is- feed in public. I mean- Exactly. They definitely don't. And they're just now coming around where people are like, oh, like now at your job, there's like a, you know, a breastfeeding room. Or if you go to the airport, like that's very recent, like maybe the last 20 years. Maybe A lot of this stuff is very recent. And I think a lot of people are just acting like everything is so commonplace. And so to kind of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just, I don't appreciate this kind of like Jake Tapper coming in and all of these, it's always these like white guys who I just feel like don't have anything on the line because, you know, like, yeah. Did you talk to any cis girls about sports? I mean, right. I mean, he asked that question very hard about, you know, did you talk to any trans youth? Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, of course, like Yunkin skirted around it, I guess. But, um, but why not just, did you talk to a subsect of children, period? I mean, well, that's why not run the gamut and talk to all of them? I don't know. That's what it sounded like you- Duncan was trying to say when he said we talked to, like, a spectrum. I feel like that's what he was trying Did to... Did he say spectrum? Uh, something like, yeah, I feel like that's what he said. We're not going back. We're not going back. Go back yourself and watch it. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like, you know, people really ble- breeze over this whole, like, you know, they're fighting for their kids who because they want to identify for sports and for the, be- the restroom. I strongly oppose the Save the Women's Sports Act. I'm also an athlete. I played competitive- competitively in middle school, high school, and a bit in college, so I understand sports. My daughter loves sports. I coach sports. I coach the Y basketball team, her basketball team. This issue of transgender girls playing sports on an all-girls team is just not an issue. There are no lawsuits in North Carolina on this issue. My daughter is a girl. Her friends, her classmates, her teammates, they see her as a girl. This bill is talking about 11, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. It's not about women. It's about girls. And I implore you, implore you to talk to us. Talk to the doctors. Get educated before you make these decisions about our children and their lives. I, I would love to see this bizarre universe where we have all these dudes trying out for girls' sports because they think they can kick a girl's ass. I just don't get it. That is not a world I think we will ever live in. And I am more than welcome. I, I welcome all these difficult, challenging conversations. When you're a parent of a trans kid, you have them all the time. And I welcome the hard questions, and I welcome the hard conversations. And if you will sit down with me and my family, I will honor what it is you have to say, and I'll share with you our own personal experience. You know, I have to tell you, I've been in so many sports worlds, 
This is not a problem in North Carolina. You just don't have the problem. She won and she won one championship, is what we're talking about. Yeah. That she hey, was yeah. winning one championship is a huge deal. Why are we acting like that's no, not huge? That's huge. huge, yes. What well, I'm also saying what, right, what I'm saying though, Riley, is everybody is saying that trans people, trans women are dominating sport, right? And in that case, winning a national championship at the collegiate level, huge. I'm with you. I'm just saying we can't make it into she's dominating. She's been one. She's not dominating. Her provost to take this fight. I don't know how appreciative it is now, but she got a couple punches in. It is the very much the exception when a transgender young person does win. And the tap. tap! And it's because there's not really an advantage to being trans. Um, only a few people are going to lead the pack. Yeah, what this montage doesn't point out is that while some trans women do win at sports because, uh, we're bombed that way, there's still a ton more cisgender women winning women's sports. Trans people are not dominating, and many trans people have not even come in first place, let alone the fact that many trans people haven't even qualified to compete in many of these sports. The tendency by people like Matt Walsh to play off the frequency illusion to demonize trans people as a whole is highlighted by the fact that Matt speaks to Celine Soul, a girl who in high school a few years ago lost a track run competition to two trans women, Terry Miller and Andre Yearwood, costing Soul, costing in her own words, a college scholarship. I lost the opportunity to participate at the New England Championships. I lost the chance to be scouted by top coaches, possibly even to win scholarships. The right wing loves this girl, and she's appeared in everything from Fox News to PragerU. So, of course, Matt Walsh brings her out here. She's this perfect little story of how the transes take away everything from the poor young white girls and children. I know that I'm not the only girl who has missed out on opportunities. There are countless other girls who have lost meets and titles and their drive to compete as hard as they can because they know that they will never be good enough to compete against these athletes. But this story ignores that one, Seoul wasn't owed that scholarship. They took away the spots of deserving girls, me being included. Seoul, as a girl of certain privileges, both financially and as a young white woman, feels as if she has a right to these things, as if it was something that she was owed. She may not even really think about this consciously. You might hear some weird bips and bops and all kinds of weird sounds. That's because this was originally made for YouTube. So if you'd like to see the visuals that go along with this podcast, please hop over to our YouTube channel. Check it out. Thanks. String time. Ah, the current cream of the anti-transgender narrative crop. The needing to protect women's sports from the invasive trans people who are coming in to dominate it and taking away the hard-earned wins of women, despite many of them, Matt Walsh included, never caring about women's sports earlier. Erin Clausen collects crystals, she dabbles in face paint, and she loves sports. What do you play? I did play volleyball, soccer, and... I want to play basketball. To Kieran, who's transgender, it's not about racking up victories. I don't want to win any trophies for it, though. I feel like that's the mo most unfair way to compete because it's not about winning. What's it about? Having fun. 
with your friends. But next week, her state, Indiana, will ban trans girls like her from playing girls sports, joining at least 15 other states with similar laws. Now, the Clausen's only hope is that the courts will step in. It's tough. It's hard to um, do everything that you can to support your child and then have... Uh, yeah. And then have lawmakers come in who don't know anything and say that you're doing the wrong thing for your child. It's just, it's really hard. It, it's very personal. The lawmakers are attacking one of the smallest minorities that we have. Title IX is so important to our family and it's not just for sports. It's so that she um, is not discriminated against um, because of her identity. And it's like, Oh, I, I hear what you're saying. But at the end of the day, like, and this is something that's really, really bothering me about this conversation about kids and sports is the teams only have so many spots, right? So mm -hmm. first of all, little girls, I mean, women in general, we've only been able to play sports on teams for 50 years. The 50 year anniversary of title nine just recently happened. And mm -hmm. for, we fought for the right, of sports on sex-based categories. That was the only way that we could play and that it would be the most fair. 50 years ago today, Title IX became a landmark law banning discrimination against women and girls in most schools. But the fight now centers around whether that federal right should extend to transgender students. It's very sad that um, Title IX has kind of been warped to include biological males when it should be protecting biological females. Become a pressing legislative issue all across America. The debate was largely fueled by two trans girl high school runners in Connecticut, Terry Miller and Andrea Yearwood, who were dominating the state's girls track meets, seen here competing in the state finals in June of 2019 and finishing first and second. Between 2017 and 2019, the two of them won 15 championships. This prompted a lawsuit against the state's Association of Schools and Athletic Conference. In it, the parents of three cisgender female high schoolers, meaning their gender identity matches that on their birth certificate, allege that transgender girls have an unfair advantage and seeks to get them banned. The case is yet to be decided, but where the Trump Department of Justice had offered support for the plaintiff's case, the Biden administration has now withdrawn it. Chelsea Mitchell is one of four student athletes suing the Connecticut Association of Schools, now appealing the case's dismissal, arguing the state violated their Title IX protections by letting trans girls compete against them at track meets. From the moment I stepped foot on the track in my first race, I fell in love with the sport. What about young transgender girls who are also falling in love with track? Should they be denied the same experience that you've had? Everyone deserves the opportunity to compete. It just needs to be done where it's most fair and women's sports need to be kept as women's sports. I support the Save Women's Sports Act as a former athlete and a woman who suffered from gender dysphoria when I was a child. Within the measurement of history, it wasn't long ago that women didn't have their own sports teams and leagues. And for in this way and many others were refused participation in their society. That is why sex segregation exists. I will tell you that I know kids need participation in sports and I needed participation in sports as a female. And if I had competed against males, I would not have won the over dozen gold medals that I won in Taekwondo because I would have lost. Should women train differently around their period? 
Yes, and here's why. At the beginning of our cycle when hormones are low, our bodies can withstand more stress. We feel good, we adapt well, and we have a good window to go hard, set PRs, and train at higher intensities. After ovulation, we want to taper down because our immune system becomes more pro-inflammatory. We are less resilient, easily fatigued, and have much lower energy. So this is a great time to deload, take more rest, work on accessory lifts, and focus on protein consumption. Seems like we have discussions about who should participate in which category and how. You know, on the face of it, it seems simple as you say. You know, if somebody identifies as a woman, if they're transgender, they can compete against women who were born biologically, and, and then if not, then not. But then there are many who would argue who are not transphobes. There are many who, who are born biologically women who will say, but you have an unnatural advantage over me and that makes the sport unfair. How do, you, how do you respond to that? Yeah, there's lots of ways you can respond to that. So the first is the, the very language of you were born and I'm not biological somehow, like I don't think I'm a cyborg. So like this idea that like, oh, you're not a biological woman. Well, I am a woman, that's a fact. I am female, so all my identity records, my racing license, my medical records all say female, mm -hmm. right? And I'm pretty sure I'm made of biological stuff. So I'm a biological female mm -hmm. as well. So this question of do trans women have an advantage over cis women? We don't know. Um, in fact, there's basically no published research on this question. However, uh, there's good reason to think that there isn't, but I think it's irrelevant because we allow all kinds of competitive advantages within women's sport. When you hear the likes of Megan Rapinoe and Tom Daly now coming out and expressing their fury that anyone should be concerned about trans athletes competing mm. against women, again, what is your reaction to that? Uh, what are you thinking about, seriously? Because uh, th there are groups now that are, that are up for inclusion based on self-ID only. There, you, don't, you don't even need to take any hormones, you don't need to do anything at all. Just self-ID as a woman and bingo, you can, com you can compete as a woman anywhere you want. So this is how far it's gone. And uh, to Megan or Tom, I say, put, put yourself in, into our shoes. Megan has been there, but a great uh, woodworking teacher of mine said to me, if you don't know a solution to a problem, exaggerate the solution. So imagine if we had a team of 11 trans women playing against 11 biological women. Who do you think would win? Now, these would be good athletes, right? They were good as, as men, as competing against males. And now they identify as women and they even go uh, the hormone therapy for a year. It doesn't really do much. It certainly doesn't mitigate the advantage that you get automatically when you go through male puberty, which starts at about 11, 12 years old. And you see boys just shoot up uh, five, six inches in a year. Uh, and, uh, and, and, the, and that advantage doesn't go away. So, again, live your life to the fullest, but you really can't have it all. And sports biology matters. And it's just not fair to have to compete against biological males, no matter how long have they been doing the hormone therapy. If they've gone through that male puberty, you really cannot make it a fair fight uh, at the end at all. You know, like... I feel like, you know, when we're talking about sports teams, this is when we're talking about honing these skills to do things like get a scholarship, um, you know, and maybe move up through collegiate and things like that. And Go I do the Olympics. I mean, right. And I do think that girls need those spaces. Testosterone. If a biological woman was on that much testosterone, she would be banned for life because of the changes that it makes to the body. 
So 10 years of being on 20 times more testosterone than what biological women have. When you say was on testosterone, you mean naturally. Natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not that she was... No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but that's male puberty. Right. And that has a substantial effect on the muscle mass and a lot Everything. of other aspects. Right, of right, right. Even as far as it's not just height and lung capacity and bigger heart, it's also like a bigger throat. I mean, th that was the first time ever that I felt jealous of men. <laughs> yeah. Because in swimming, like when you're swimming, like, and you're, you need to breathe, it is a fast, like, <gasps> right? You've got to be able to get it in really quickly to be able to have a 40% a uh, bigger throat, to me, would be, <laughs> it would have been amazing. Be, been yeah. huge. Kids are not being completely deprived of participating in sports. There's still PE. There's still recess. Maybe I think what would be a more productive kind of campaign would be, in, you know, asking for more funding for for, for, you know, physical activity throughout the day, for more arts mm -hmm. programs. Remember when they, like, cut a bunch of that stuff yeah. back in the day? Like, I'm more like, yeah, you could be, could be an after-school program. I mean, any kind of these things. Right. I just mm -hmm. feel like to say that, so just to say so flippantly, like, oh, sports seems like, well, whatever, maybe we just get rid of gendered sports. I mean, whatever. Who's going to end up playing? Whoever's the best, you know? And then, oh, who's that going to be? Oh, mainly all the guys? Oh, okay, great. Or some of the girls won't even, like, participate? Not necessarily. No. no. Yeah. Can somebody no. Name one, wait, can somebody name one category where men and women are equal? It's not weight. It's not high. Well, hold on. Just because they're going to cluster in different categories doesn't mean it's along sex lines, right? Yeah. Can you name yeah, one sport so, where women so, outperform men? So, Destiny, if the upper category, right, let's say the the uh, the upper league, whatever you want to call it, right, mm -hmm. um, uh, is almost all men, then that's okay, right? If that's how it shakes out, then that's fine. And okay, that league, the yeah, heavyweight is, league, whatever, so, right, yeah, men when you say exist. stuff like this, you justify the existence of TERFs. They were right. You do want to destroy women's spaces. That's what you're saying. Uh, hold no. on. First of all, I don't give a shit about what. Hold on, wait, Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know I had to explain that. Right. So you're essentially saying you want to eliminate women's sports in the professional world. That if the top echelon is all men, then that's okay. And then you have lower brackets that women somehow get into. Hopefully, if enough. No, you can have like different weight classes that are all going to be like the the no, top of their league. Wait, right? wait, no, you can't. Oh, a Let's run through pound, the categories again. Wait, hold on, wait, wait. A 120 pound woman is not going to be competitive with a 120 pound man in any sport. That's why right. I'm asking. So that's right. So, so wait, no, no, no. The, 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 and that's not true because in like running, that is true. That okay. And besides extreme but, endurance, no, okay. So, but, but, okay. So, but if we go on the other things, we don't have to use weight classes for everything. Weight classes can work for things like running, but we can also use endocrine classes for other sports. Uh, there's a endocrine variety of the same. Literally, literally, like two years ago, last year, the girls' team for the NCAA for their March Madness, the the guys had this huge locker room. They had everything decked out. Wait, oh yeah, I remember all this shit. The Beautiful. girls can show up. It's a big fucking empty gym with like a few weights on the floor. And that's it. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show y'all the men's weight room. Now, when pictures of our weight room got released versus the men's, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that it wasn't money, it was space that was a problem. Let me show y'all something else. Here's our practice court, right? And then here's that weight room. And then here's all this 
extra space. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. I yeah. mean, literally, uh, when they're still fighting for, at every level, still fighting for some kind of equality. And so to just come in and say that it's not going to be some huge deal that somebody who has a different mm -hmm. physical makeup, even if you didn't go through male puberty yet, you still, it's still slightly more equal. But once you hit male puberty, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, there are huge differences. And to frequently yeah. talk about this fucking conversation as if hormone blockers and, uh, you know, puberty blockers and hormones are just so reversible is the most insane to me. It, that's the biggest thing that I think the Democrats are missing. You cannot just talk about this kind like, of like, like, yeah. it's, it's just so the, easy. One of the more sinister aspects of it for me is the way they're encouraging hormone blockers and hormone transition for people that are going through puberty or haven't gone through puberty. We don't have any long-term studies on this, and now they're finding that these hormone blockers aren't innocuous, and that they, they cause a lot of health problems. And they're, they're saying this now, out in the open, yeah. when people have been for years, the last few years, promoting this as if it's a pause button. The onset of puberty, an adolescent and their family might consider puberty blockers, hormones that delay puberty, and importantly, if that treatment is suspended, then puberty will resume, meaning that this is reversible. Think of it like a pause button, the thing you can't do easily on the HBO Max app. <laughs> now, the next potential medical intervention is usually hormone therapy, which boosts levels of testosterone or estrogen. Opponents of gender-affirming care make a lot of alarmist claims about hormone therapy, from saying that it's experimental, which it is not, to arguing that it sterilizes people. And look, for some, in specific situations, there can be risks to fertility, but for others, the effect is anticipated to be reversible if the medication is discontinued. But there is definitely an informed decision to be made there. As transgender people are more openly being able to seek therapy, the demand for transgender surgery has increased by five-fold over the past five years. And one may think that the preservation of surgery is a valid one, but in reality, it's not very relevant or valid. 18 is the age in which minors are protected from making permanent decisions about their reproductive health because the thought is then at 18, they can decide what they would like to do. However, if as soon as pubertal blockers were added, and then estrogen was added to her therapy, Avery's testes never developed. In fact, she does not make any sperm. And her reproductive capability to be a biological parent has been eliminated. Her testes are non-functional. And in medicine, don't we often recommend the removal of non-functional organs, like an appendix? So therefore, does it make sense for Avery to wait until she's 18? Or should older adolescents be allowed to have surgery before the age of 18? 18 is also the age of consent. Doctors usually allow those who are 18 to make decisions about their procedures and consent so that you can weigh the risks and benefits. Well then, the transgender patient may be one of the most well-informed patients. Who else has had years of psychological evaluation, months of medical therapy, and has thought of this one procedure for so long? So rather 
than to use strict age limits for eligibility, why not use the number of years in which one has lived in their affirmed gender? And insurances and laws should consider older adolescents in getting gender affirmation surgery. Now, these surgeries are not simple surgeries. These are comp. I mean, I have people literally telling me online that I am and you know, an idiot basically. And the thing is people don't want to engage when you ask a genuine, sincere question, not from a place of hatred. I know that there are true trans people. I know that a hundred percent. Yeah. But for children, even if you are someone who's truly trans, you have to be careful because when you take, um, hormone blockers, for example, it will, if you're a boy, it will prevent your penis from getting larger. You need to have something in that area in order to have vaginoplasty to make a neo-vagina. You have to have that. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult and you're going to have a lot more complications for an already complicated surgery. I mean, these are just... Why make it worse? Yeah. How am I going to get it done? Who am I going to get it done with? So... Her suprellin's working really well, so <laughs> she, she has a very, very small penis. So my concern is that we're just now getting these children who have been on puberty-delaying hormones, and the penis never has a chance to grow. So when it comes to the surgery, we don't have the raw materials we need to make what we're used to. Oh no, here it comes again. I was hoping that she was gonna be like, okay, I've dealt with this, you know, it's fine. I have this option, this option. Now I am just worrying because I don't know if there is any procedure that will work on me and lead to really great results. So what that means is I prefer standard vaginoplasty for jazz. Hell yes. I have enough material to get the standard vaginoplasty. It's what I know best and that's what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like to do the surgery in two parts. A major surgery in the beginning, and then maybe two months later, do a procedure to finish the aesthetic part. But, a lot, but and, and there's a conversation, we're, we're going to have many conversations, I think, about this, but there's another conversation we had there about, you know, why these things are happening so early and all of that. But, I mean, I'm sorry, that's just the facts. Like, there have been many studies about it, and I think a lot of people always say that there's so many studies, but from what I've seen, I've seen transgender athletes do their own studies on transgender athletes' bodies over several years, and they still maintain, um, you know, from going through uh, their uh, male puberty, still maintain a lot of benefits, and, um, you know, they just out, still outpace their biological female counterparts. And that's just what it is. Uh, Joanna, you're a researcher and former top-ranking distance runner. You're also a transgender woman. After you transitioned in 2004, what did you notice about your own running times? After nine months of hormone therapy, which was testosterone suppression plus addition of estrogen, I was running 12% slower, and that's the difference between serious male distance runners and serious female distance runners. So I had lost my complete male advantage with nine months of hormone therapy. And this was because you were suppressing your testosterone levels? Mostly. Certainly the addition of the estrogen has a little effect too, but but it's largely because of testosterone suppression. Uh, This observation prompted you to research and publish the first peer-reviewed paper on how hormone suppression affects trans women athletes. What did your study in 2015 suggest? 
uh, I looked at race times, 200 race times from eight transgender distance runners before and after hormone therapy. And so uh, if we used a, an equivalent comparison method, the, the trans women were no more competitive collectively uh, after transition in the women's event than they had been prior in men's distance running. It's important to note that, that this observation is only true for distance running. It's only true for this small cohort of, of eight people. Uh, so it was a very, very limited result, but there was nothing else like it. Did your study suggest that there were any advantages? Well, the study itself was, was looking at distance running, but it is undoubtedly true, and, and I have spent much of my time in, in the years since looking at uh, trans women's athletic performance. And there is little doubt that trans women will maintain performance advantages even after hormone therapy. On average, transgender women will be taller, bigger, and stronger even after two or three or five or ten years of, of hormone therapy. And those are advantages in many sports. A separate study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, published in March 2020, studied muscle strength, size, composition following 12 months of gender-affirming treatment in transgender individuals. These individuals were non-athletes. They studied things like flexor strength, muscle size, and radiological density. The study found that trans men increased strength over the assessment period of 12 months, while the trans women generally maintained their strength levels. One year of gender-affirming treatment resulted in robust increases in muscle mass and strength in trans men, but modest changes in trans women. These findings add new knowledge on the magnitude of changes in muscle function, size, and composition with cross-hormone therapy, which could be relevant when evaluating the transgender eligibility rules for athletic competition. And when you've got something like, you know, these making money, you know, becoming a coach, any of these things, right. I mean, talk about people's men they talk about these kids' mental health, but why is it that the little girl's mental health is not considered? I just don't understand. Literally, right, little yeah. girls won't play sports. They're not even encouraged when you ask. I, when I would ask my mom for stuff, they'd be like, no, not for you. Yeah, I mean, with no excuse, like with no reason to, um, except for that you're a woman. So, I mean, we certainly have not gotten past that. I mean, the sports thing is... I, I just want people to just um, not think about it as such a, everything doesn't have to be such a negative thing, you know, like, okay, maybe you won't get a chance to play that sport, but maybe that will grow something else in you and you'll start, you know, you know, I don't know, like you'll start a rec center for, you know, other children or you teach or you teach something or you'll do something else with it. I mean, it's not always such a, a dead end or such a bad thing if you're not able to do the exact thing that you, thing that you want to do. And I mean, realistically, like you can't have everything you want in life. It just, it sucks. But I mean, you can't right. always get everything you want in life and you have to just, you know, live the best possible life that you can. And so do whatever you think is going to get you to living that best possible life. And then, you know, there are going to be consequences. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how... No, I'm so glad that it's you said that, that because I think like a big part of life in growing up is loss. You know, I think that that's mm. a big part of it. And I think a lot of these parents are doing a disservice to act as if 
you can have everything that you want. And I, you know, in order to live our truths many, many, many times, sometimes that means you have to move to a different state. Sometimes that means you have to move to a different country. Sometimes that means you have to quit your job and do something else. I mean, people make huge sacrifices in order to try to be and figure out really who they are. And unfortunately, maybe, yeah, it does suck that it's this big, mature thing that a trans kid has to go through. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they also have a very special particular journey. And that's just the that's just the truth of it. I mean, it also sucks for kids who have cancer. It also sucks for kids who are blind and never can see color. It also sucks for kids who can never hear music. I mean, there are so, but there are still people right. who learn how to struggles. dance. Mm-hmm. There are still people, you know, because who are who are deaf and still learn how to dance. I mean, there mm-hmm. are one door closing, as you were saying, does not mean that it's the end of everything. And and it's true. Yeah. I, I do feel like it should be seen as more of a positive spin. But the Democrats just acting so flippant about something as personal and as big and huge of a fight within, I mean, within people's lifetimes, you've got, you're talking about abortion rights on the one hand, the same women who fought for abortion rights fought for these rights to, to play sports. I mean, yeah, it's not, it is literally not, it has just not been that long. I mean, so I just, it's like people, people completely forgotten. Yeah. People have completely forgotten. And and if anything too, I, I think, on a more funny note, people have forgotten their whole childhood. I was just listening to um, the Mortified podcast, and it is this—it's hilarious. It's basically like all of these people reading from their childhood diaries. Oh God! And it's amazing. And it's yeah. like I literally listen—I listened to it for like 15 minutes, and I was like, "Yeah, it's people are these. I mean, people are just forgetting how difficult it is to be a child. Like, it is always going to be a difficult thing to be a child." And then, like you're saying, with social media and all of this, it's just compounded onto it. But does that mean that we should, I mean, you can't protect kids from everything. You can't just pull all that difficulty away from them. Like, there has to be some struggle. Otherwise, how are you going to build any kind of character, I guess? not to. And I, and I think that, like, you know, trans kids definitely have their own specific, specific path. And I think it could be something that could be very cool, I guess. Or, you know, it's, it's almost like... Um, by taking the struggle out of the journey, are you like lessening it? I don't know. It just seems I, like you're like a helicopter parent, like too protective sort of thing. You know, you can't protect your kids just, from everything. It's not realistic. It's ruining our culture. It's ruining art. It's making everything so soft. And like, listen, life is a fucking struggle. Like that's just what it is. <laughs> like, and I, yeah. I really, it's, it's crazy to me that, um, you know, yeah, people just seem to want to protect their kids from every little thing. And ultimately that's going to make your kid not prepared for the rest of the world. Um, And that's why we are trying to have these conversations too, because, and and it's still so shocking to me because I feel like we're trying to be very reasonable. We believe in trans people, like trans people are real. I mean, we don't have any real things. Yeah. This is not, this is not what, what the issue is here with like, um, you know, what we're talking about it's like a little bit has more to do with children, but also just, you know, has to do with just like so much nuance that and gray area that nobody's talking about. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't shield your your kid from everything. But I do understand like this fight and this struggle. But I I just think like reporters like Jake Tapper covering the issue in this way that it just doesn't feel like very journalistic to me to not get both sides. And I, I feel like I've seen enough. Um, 
you know, different kind of interviews and content about the topic to know that cis women and cis girls are not being asked and not being included. Um, I think the only kind of time I've really heard um, consistently, you know, was the only people who really interviewed the cis women um, that were swimmers on the uh, college team with Leah Thomas, the only people that interviewed them were conservatives. Yeah. So what, what kind of message does that Send. But, uh, the one they were competing against. It seemed like a total mess last year. Yeah, it was a total mess. Um, I actually had a ton of Leah Thomas's teammates reach out to me personally and thank me for what I'm doing because this is something they deal with every single day. Um, but of course, they're intimidated, they're threatened, um, they're emotionally blackmailed. I have so many examples of what these Ivy League schools have said to their swimmers um, and hopes to not get them to speak out. Uh, one of those examples being um, an email sent to the Ivy League swimmers saying that if you feel uncomfortable changing in an area where you will see male genitalia, here are some resources and you should seek counseling. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you <laughs> yes. seek counseling. That's unbelievable. It's like the world is upside down. But Veronica, what's, what's the answer to the, the Connecticut moms who say, hey, my daughter can't compete. And we showed the film clip of those two uh, track stars in Connecticut. What's the response to the parents who say, my kids have no shot. They can't compete with these trans female athletes. Well, it's not because they're trans that these cis athletes couldn't win. It's that they weren't fast enough. So for example, neither of these trans athletes became national champions. So for example, I know one of the uh, plaintiffs got onto a division one college school, um, but she failed to make the roster for the track and field team, even though some other freshmen did. So is she going to sue her other cisgender teammates for being faster than her? It's just not because they're trans that they were winning, they were just faster. I read the Connecticut complaint, and I know this gets into the weeds in a hurry, but the, the simplistic version is that those born male have a natural physiological advantage that also includes differing levels of testosterone. You know the argument. Your response to that is what? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nonsense argument. So depends on how much time you want to let me get into the weeds because I can literally spend hours on this. How about 30, how so, about 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is um, testosterone, your natural internally produced endogenous testosterone has zero impact on your athletic performance. And we know that. But we didn't know that until 2013. And then to say like, the, cis women, the cis women, if they had an issue, they had to go to therapy. I just don't feel like we're, we're truly listening no. to and, and Well, it's odd to go from, I just feel like it's really odd to go from like, you know, when Trump was in office and having this like whole, like, you know, everybody's making crocheted pussy hats and so proud to be a woman and all of this. And then like, and then the second that a woman has a question or says something, then it's like a re-education type of thing or, you know, definitely you're wrong or it's just not even heard or completely ignored, which is even worse. Want to answer that simple question. To me, perfectly encapsulated the madness of where this debate's gone. What did you make of it? Uh, well, adult human female is the, is the correct answer. Uh, and I find it peculiar that we are only seeing this from one side with trans women taking up space in women's spaces, but we do not hear the same of men having to define what a man is. 
so wonder that why that is. Of course, I, again, come from from at this at this from from a sporting uh, viewpoint, and and what what is fairness? So I really come from it at, at this whole issue from uh, from from position of fairness for for women and girls competing in sports because that with sports uh, biology matters. Right. And so I mean, again, up to you to define yourself how you want, but you need to be able to answer a question. The question: What is a woman? Biologically born male identifying as a female and now competing in the female sports for medals and money and all kind of stuff. I, just, I do not see a, 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 a female transgender switching over, switching over to, to a male to compete in the male sports. What's the point female of having women's or male sports? It's like yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's you what know, I at least come back, at least come back with something. Don't just ignore it, you know? That's what I feel like happened with my tweet. Um, you know, a couple of people, you know, kind of finally answered it. But I think ultimately, because I'm not coming from a place of hate and I'm sincerely like trying to consider all sides, I think it's difficult for people. It's easier for people to talk in terms of these like teams where it's like, Oh, this person absolutely hates us and wants us to die. And you know, all of these different mm -hmm. things. And it's like, no, that's not the case, but I do want us to actually also consider the other side. What could, how, how are little girls feeling about this? What would make everybody involved comfortable? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that because we're just so used to this, like, team sport way of talking about stuff it's going to be very difficult to reach any kind of real consensus and i think that because it's being talked about in that way it's going in a really negative direction <laughs>